where you pursue your potential, where you've got to back yourself. You've got to trust yourself. Like self-trust is this key. Have you ever struggled with that? Am I going to be good enough? Will I be able to execute this? This idea of earned confidence, I think is incredibly important. And it's kind of what you're talking about. Earned confidence, this idea that no one owes you anything and that you earned the right to be wherever you're at. And when you really believe truly in your heart, in your soul, that you earned the confidence to feel good going into a semifinal or going into an event, there's something very powerful about that. There's earned and there's perceived confidence. And I think that this idea of perceived, like I could tell myself tomorrow, I'm going to go do I don't know, Mount Everest, right? But I haven't earned the right. I haven't put in the training hours. I haven't put in the hard work to really feel like I earned the right to go in there and dominate. And when athletes are preparing for it, for a task, the more they could truly feel that they earned it, the better off they're going to perform. It's non-negotiable. This is the Limitless Athlete Podcast. I'm Tom Foxley, founder of Mindset RX and your host. And I believe that confidence can be trained in a three-step process. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm willing to work as hard as I can. There is no past, there's no future, there's just this moment right here. If I did that, if I can get through that, like, come at me. Changing how I saw myself, like as a man, not just as, as an athlete. It's okay that I struggle. It's okay. That's part of the deal. It's how I responded. You want to compete with confidence. That way, when you turn up on the competition floor, you'll be able to back yourself. You'll spend less time worrying about what others do. And hopefully, you'll be able to execute your plan to your highest standard. An average plan executed with 100% confidence is so much better than a perfect plan executed with 50% confidence. Let's view the goal of confidence through our RRP method, regulate, rewire and perform. A 2016 study showed that self-esteem may be associated with improved parasympathetic functioning. In other words, the more you're able to regulate your state, the more you back yourself. Without proper nervous system regulation, you're far more likely to doubt yourself, compare and stress. Coach Rachel said to me yesterday in a conversation, all great truth is found in paradox. I know, great quote. When it comes to rewiring your story, there couldn't be a truer word spoken. Consider two opposing beliefs. I'm the best here and I'm certain to win. And I don't deserve to be here. I'm going to fail miserably. Obviously, both have their drawbacks, but they also have hidden benefits. The arrogant, I'm the best here opinion may fill you with the kind of self-assuredness that helps you peak. Look at Conor McGregor in his early UFC days, for example. The I don't deserve to be here mentality may actually help you outwork many others in training. But the drawbacks of both are self-evident and extremely limiting. To perform your best, you must be able to step outside both these narratives and believe only in truth. That is what exists outside of the story you tell yourself. Only when you see the world truthfully can you perform at your best. Then from a perform perspective, you can't just hope to be confident. You need the strategies, tactics and routine that reinforce confidence in your performance. A game plan without pre-lift routines, pre-competition routines, mental reset buttons and a firm understanding of workout specific self-talk will only undermine your performance. So RRP, regulate, rewire 
before. In today's episode with CrossFit Games legend and entrepreneur Jason Kalipa, you're going to learn so much about confidence and how to deploy it in your life. Remember, remember, sorry, to subscribe to the show and leave a kind review and also to follow us on MindsetRx on Instagram. All right then, Jason, welcome to the show. Um, such a pleasure to have you on here, man. Ah, thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks for finishing out your day, uh, you know, with uh, jumping hey. on the mic with me. So thank you. Couldn't imagine a better way to do it. Um, I've been doing loads of digging through your story, trying to think about like what you can bring to this conversation that only you can bring this conversation. There's loads of points that I want to dive into as we go through this. But one of the first things in your story that really stood out to me was um, your challenge of getting to college and the difficulties <laughs> around that. Um, it seemed like such a kind of a turning point and it seemed like such an interesting point in your life. So can you tell that story, please? Yeah, no, I mean, for me, you know, in, in high school, I was kind of, I was the popular kid. I, I played a lot of sports. I, you know, messed around a lot. I didn't really apply myself. And when I graduated from high school, I applied to several colleges and I thought I was going to go play sports and it, it ended up not working out the way I thought. But when I applied to schools um, based on my scholastic, right, I, 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 I didn't get in. I didn't get into the same schools that my peers did, including uh, my wife. And it was, it was, it was heartbreaking, man. It was a really one of those moments in life where I had to look at it and be like, you know, these last four years of kind of jerking around have kind of like hit a wall where in high school, you're kind of just kind of pushed along, pushed along, pushed along. And, and yeah, some people might've gotten A's and you might've gotten B's or C's, but no one really cared at the time. And then all of a sudden you start applying for colleges and it's like, Hey, you didn't get accepted because you didn't reach the, you didn't reach your potential, nor is there just going to be like this open door where you just keep moving on. So I went to a junior college for two years, really got my stuff together and realized that, you know, if I wasn't going to take control of my own future, no one else is going to be there to support me. And, and junior college really taught me that, um, you know, I went to a private Catholic high school, uh, overall it was great, but they did a lot of handholding. And they really tried to navigate you through this process. And when you get out of that and you go to a junior college, they don't give a shit about you. And I mean, I shouldn't say that. There are some teachers who did, but you're just another number to them. They're not going to, they're not going to put in the effort unless you're putting in the effort back. And that was a really good life lesson is that like in, um, in, in, in high school, it was like ABCs, whatever, all of a sudden I got to college and yes, you still have a grade point, you know, you still have your GPA, but ultimately it's up to you to reach your potential or not. And there's going to be no one there to just push you along it was big life lesson for me. Yeah. So it seems like before that you were kind of, um, not enamored with the idea of your potential. Like you were kind of going, okay, like I'll just kind of take, I, I don't know. Was it taking the easy route? Was it something, was it being popular? Yeah. It was just like, kind of like, uh, unengaged. You know, I think, you know, sometimes I wonder if someone had kind of pulled me aside and been like, Hey, I see a lot of potential in X, Y, Z. I don't think you're applying yourself and reaching your potential. I wonder if I would have listened or if I would have thought I was too cool for school. Um, and I'm sure maybe some people had tried to do that to me, but I, I can't think of a specific situation when someone did that. And through high school, you know, I just kind of breezed along, man, you know, went on the weekends, partied, played football, threw the shot, did track and field. And I had some, some success there, but I think I could have done a lot more had I applied myself. 
Were there any other moments like that where you like kind of looked back, especially early on in your life before um, before competing, before finding CrossFit, and where you went like, oh man, this is like a changing point in how I live my life? Mm. No, I, I mean, I think that was the biggest one, right? So I started mm. I went, growing up, um, I raced BMX bikes at a pretty high competitive level. And when I got to high school, um, I had had some injuries because of BMX racing, um, which you know, in hindsight, I think BMX racing taught me a lot. It, it was, it was a very nerve wracking sport. So it really taught you how to control your nerves because you're up on a gate with seven other guys and you're trying to basically come out of that gate as fast as you can to take the first turn. And so it, it really taught you to kind of be within yourself because mm. anyways, there was, there was some good lessons there, but when I got to high school and I stopped competing in um, BMX, uh, there wasn't any standout moments prior to high school that like, I would say were like, pivotal to that. It was really high school. And this idea that like the whole time you're kind of like moving on with your peers. And when I graduated from eighth grade, I moved on with my peers to high school. When I graduated from high school, I was thinking I was just going to move on. And that's where the, it stopped because I, I didn't qualify. Yeah. What was the change? Like what, how did you go right now? This is how I am changing myself. Or was it more like, these are the behaviors that I'm going to perform? Uh, I, I think at the time I just became internally motivated to, to graduate from the same school my wife was at and mm. not be like a loser. You know, I, at the time I was working, I was working at the traditional health club when I was in high school, I used to, um, work at the front desk on the weekends when I wasn't playing sports and I was surrounded by some really amazing people. And when I graduated from high school, I wanted to do more. And so I started, um, selling gym memberships, had some great mentors that really helped me to put in like the grit and the hard work. These were like no nonsense type of OG guys. Like not, there was no fluff, no frills, no bullshit. Just, Hey, if you want to make money, you need to work hard and you need to be able to sell. And that also coincided with me not getting accepted into the school I wanted also got me, you know, wrapped up in this junior college where I could have stayed there for the rest of my life. And all of those things kind of were a melting pot of like, Hey, if I want to be successful and ultimately I was really inspired by my um, girlfriend at the time and, and now wife to kind of be a better version of where I was at. I had to take, I had to step my game up and, um, that was it. It's amazing. Um, the, the commonality that we have here is probably a, our level of fitness. No, that's, that's not what we have. Um, is, is our, our um, relationship. I'm glad to get married to my childhood sweetheart, just like you. Um, yeah, and hell yeah. Been together, like, we've been together 12 years, but having that female influence in your life of like having someone who's going actually, and it's not something she's saying, but it's someone, it's like a mirror held up to you. It's like, yeah. this is who you really are. And you're screwing up in these ways. As I think that's such a useful thing for, for men to have. Yeah, for sure. Having like a, a strong you know, a woman who knows what she wants, she wants to be mm -hmm. successful and she wants a guy that wants to be successful too. And, and really what it comes down to, man, is, is just waking up one day and being like, dude, what, what am I doing? Like, am I really reaching my potential? And I mean, I still think about that today. I mean, I think I've came a lot, lot, lot farther than I was back then, but the idea is like, are you really reaching your potential? And, and what are you wasting? You know, like you're just, you're just wasting your potential. You're just, you're just kind of skirting through life, just getting by. And, um, you know, it's all good and well when you're in high school, but when you actually get in the real world, you know, it's no longer about B's and C's. It's about, you know, reaching your ultimate potential, you know, even if that, mm. that that's it. Yeah. Absolutely. How much of your potential do you reckon you're matching up to now? Oh, not even close, man. I think, <laughs> I think physically, um, in like CrossFit, I think, I think I reached my potential. I think, I think, you know, 
who knows what, what, what could have happened. There's, there's a few events that I wish had gone different ways. I wish I had done differently, but I think overall in CrossFit, I have no regrets, no, nothing that held me back. Um, I think that I did reach my potential there and life circumstances really made me pivot from that. Um, so I'm, I'm cool there. I think that I have a lot more potential in my physical capability with additional sports like jujitsu in particular. Mm -hmm. And I think that I have a lot more to gain in terms of the business. Um, I think family as well, but the business, I probably have the biggest opportunity. I think that, you know, I started the company out of college in 2008 and here we are 13 years later. And I, I just feel like I'm kind of like, I just now feel like I'm grasping business a little bit. And I think the next 10 years are going to be really indicative of that. Is that the skill gap that you're trying to close most aggressively at the moment then? Yeah, I, I'd say it's that. And then obviously, you know, being like a, a really, you know, like just being the best example of a dad that I could possibly be, like just being a landmark example of what I want my kids to grow up at. And then yes, trying to reach my potential in the, in the business for sure. Yeah. What challenges are you encountering in getting to that point? Uh, for the business? or uh, For both the family life as well as I'm interested in. Well, I mean, the family life is always going to have ups and downs and dynamics and changes. I think right now, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of gratitude, a lot of gratitude in the sense that I, I do think that things are going really well. I think that my, the relationships are strong. I think the kids are at a really good age. My kids are um, 11 and eight. And I think that they're really starting to understand a little bit more about why we do the things we're doing, why we encourage certain things. And I think, I think that we've made a lot of steps in that direction. Um, so I think overall things are going well. Um, I think, you know, in business, it's, it's recognizing that you got to surround yourself with really great people along a shared vision. And, 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 and that takes a long time. It takes a long time for you to realize what you're good at, what you're not good at. It takes a long time to find the right people and, and to really sit down and share a, a bigger version of where you guys all want to go together. And having each person actually believe in that shared vision, I think is, is where the struggles that we have. And I think that's where we've made the most amount of, of impact as of recently. Yeah. And then in terms of like your mentality and in, in taking those steps forwards, do you encounter challenges there? Yeah, of course. I mean, I mean, look, I, I, I think that continuously trying to test yourself is a key. Number one, I think uh, exposing yourself to micro adversity is the way to go. Like right before I got on here, I was just in the cold plunge. Like literally, like literally right, right. As I'm coming up, um, I thought you had energy, man. Yeah. And (laughs) the cold plunge is a great way to, you know, lean into adversity, lean into overcoming struggle, lean into that. And I think that it pays off huge dividends. And that's what I try and do is I'm trying to find things that are going to test me mentally and physically to help me thrive in all these other areas. That's the goal. I mean, that's um, within, within reason. That's what I'm trying to do right now. Yeah. So obviously you get those like chosen hardships we, we refer to or um, intentional hardships, and then you get those incidental hardships. And the idea hopefully is that the intentional hardships prepare you for those incidental hardships. And like, yeah, obviously there's, there's been, yeah, gone. But the chosen adversity, right? Like I'm choosing mm-hmm. to put myself in these challenging times because ultimately those will help me out when life really throws you a, you know, a nut kick. Right. I mean, take for example, COVID if you know, you've been living your life in a bubble we are trying to stay as comfortable as possible. Now, all of a sudden, this thing that's completely out of your control comes and just changes your life, including as a gym owner myself. I mean, shit, we had to shut down our locations. I mean, that if you're not used to learning how to overcome those struggles, it could really be detrimental. 
Um, or even a greater example, obviously, is, uh, you know, when my daughter was diagnosed with leukemia in 2016, and that's a really phenomenal example of how life could come and just kind of kick you in the nuts. And you got to be prepared to try and overcome that the best way you can. Yeah. What was your like self-talk there? I th- did I, did I read some something you said, like, we can't be sad because this is like too serious. Yeah. Like, this is too important. This is like too important to like basically give a shit about our emotions. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, well, my, my wife was, my wife was really the one who was kind of about this idea that, you know, we can't be sad in front of our daughter because we need to have this positive focus whenever we're with her. Um, but you know, the, the mindset really comes down to compartmentalizing, uh, recognizing that there's certain things that are going to be outside of your control and, and that's okay. Um, focus on what is in your control and really focusing on day by day, trying to come at everything with the most positive attitude you possibly can. And I think that there's people in here who talk about that. I think that in theory, it sounds, it sounds mm. delightful, right? But when you actually are in a real struggle, that's where you can really lean on the tools that you've been developing. So for anybody listening, who's trying to develop tools, I think two that we should really focus on is understand what's inside versus outside your control is so incredibly important. And then recognizing the, the power of staying positive. And the best way to develop that is through micro adversity. So you're in the gym and you don't hit the set you want, whatever you say, okay, it's all good. Let's, let's reset. Let's get back in it. Let's stay positive. Let's coach ourselves through this the way we would coach an athlete through this versus identifying a negative mindset and then letting it just spiral. And when you develop that in the gym or you develop that in the garage and then you translate that into real life, that's when something really magical happens. And in, in my particular case, those were two incredibly powerful mindset tools that I used, um, you know, over the two and a half years of, uh, spending time in the hospital. Yeah. And that is maybe one of the toughest tests that we can get, like having your, your kid be that sick. Um, but it's only, yeah. you're only going to, yeah, like I, I can't even begin to imagine what that's like. It's beyond, beyond my imagination. Um, but the only way you're going to kind of have a fighting chance of coming out with that mentality of like, okay, I'm going to stay positive and I'm going to approach what's in my control is if you've practiced it time and time and time again, it's that, that old quote of we don't raise rise the level of our expectations. We fall to the levels of our training and you got to train that in the whole time, man. Yeah. I mean, I've said this before, but I think the greatest gift that the CrossFit games actually gave me was not the medals, the money, the sponsors, the fame, all that kind of stuff, whatever it's, it was, it was the, the mindset tools of, you know, really having my back up against the wall so many times and learning how to overcome that. When in reality, now that I'm older and I'm more mature and I've gone through some of the life experiences I have, when in reality at the time, that was like the worst thing that's ever happened to you. Let's just say you, you know, pass out in a van or you lose or you, you don't perform the expectations. You have to get back on the, you know, and get back at it. And at the time, you know, these are really big compartmentalized things you have to go through. Um, you know, they, they, they're, they are micro compared to when you get older and you, you have real struggles with outside, you know, in family and in life. And I'm forever grateful for the CrossFit games because in that sport, which at the time was, was life, I was able to then take that into life as we moved on, you know? Mm, It's like you kind of understood it. You understand it's part of the process after it's been rather than the end goal in itself like i can the only example i've got is okay i I passed out of 
some pretty difficult military training. And at the time, that was my world. Like I had to get that green beret there. Like that's what I was trying to to earn. However, like it's what that taught me that's been, been able to apply to the rest of my life that's way more important than the acquisition of that, well, green piece of felt. Yeah, isn't that the funniest thing? Yeah, it's yeah. like in the moment, right? That's all that matters. And in the yeah. moment, that's what you think is the goal. But in reality, it's just another step along this very long journey that will help to develop who you are and and, and the obstacles you could overcome in the future. Yeah. You know, and I think I think that's ultimately what they're trying to do in the military as well, is mm-hmm. they're trying to set these pillars and these goals. And then through that process, you go through a bunch of challenges and struggles, but then it, it's it's the challenges and struggles that then grow you to be a better leader, a better soldier, a better whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. And the whole concept of train hard, fight easy. It's like, yeah. you push yourself, you push yourself, you push yourself. And hopefully when it actually counts, it's not going to be as awful. That's right. That's right. Um, so we're kind of we're talking around to what I suppose is the hero's journey. Like you go through these ch- like series of challenges where you're pushed and you encounter limits and like just like in Lord of the Rings where you go through like stage off stage and you go fail and you come so close to failure and it's way bigger and that prepares you for a bigger challenge. Like we're talking around that, but there's also in that there's like kind of mentors and there's people who teach the hero their path of growth. Who's that been in your life? Like Ashley seems like one of them. Um, yeah. Who else has that been? Yeah. I mean, for sure her. And, you know, I would, I would even add in, you know, like my daughter and um, our family, they've really taught me a lot. Um, you know, I've had business mentors that have been incredible over the years, for sure. I mean, without question, business mentors have been incredibly powerful. I mean, actually, after I'm done recording with you, uh, I'm going to meet uh, a gentleman and, and and outline some things for him and see his feedback and just just receive feedback and, and hear a different perspective, I think is really important. But I think when you talk about heroes and it's the people that can make big impacts on your life. And I think that, you know, your close family, if you actually listen, if you listen and you try and learn, those are the ones that made the biggest impact on me, including obviously my own children, right? And, uh, and my wife. How do you know when you've got to prioritize what you know is right in your heart of hearts compared to what someone who wants the best for you genuinely, but might not be able to see things from the perspective you have? Well, I think you have to make the decisions on your own, but you need to weigh in with other people's perspectives because ultimately you're in your own echo chamber. You're in your own, you're you're in your own, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. People want to find their own, they want to be right. But if you, mm. but you could be right and be right more often if you expose yourself to more people with different perspectives on the same situation. You know, like um, I, I guess, like take for example, and this is probably most related in business, is if you have a leadership team, you've built up great trust and you really trust each other, and you're all you're all in it for the same reason. We already talked about this. Like, hey, this is our shared vision. We want to get here. We're not at odds with each other. We're not enemies. We're we're on the same team. But what we need to do is have good communication to decide, hey, I'm coming from this background and this is my opinion, what we should do. Then this person says, I think we should do this. And then together you discuss, you discuss. Now, ultimately, if you're a leader, you need to make a decision, but you need to make that decision based on, you know, gathering as much of the data as you can and listening as well as you can. Because um, I, I think people also bring different life experiences to the table that could really help you get stronger. You know, like I, I've had a mindset coach for a long time and that was one of the things I found valuable for him was that he was able to help me 
unlock, listen, and learn more from others instead of just being closed-minded to things. I've got about five points that I want to jump off from that uh, <laughs> from that answer. Let's um, let's start off with who's your who's your mindset coach? Uh, Adam Salcedo is who I used for many many years uh, competing at the CrossFit Games, and he still supports us at NC Fit. What did he teach you? I mean, the the thing some of the things we already talked about, right? Uh, understand what's inside your outside your control, po- positive mindset, um, and ult- ultimately just a um, uh, a beacon uh, to discuss. I think I think where people get hung up, and and maybe what he did the best is like you're almost like talking to yourself, right? You're talking mm-hmm. like I'm talking to you. And, well, this isn't a great example, but if I'm talking to someone about a struggle I'm having. And they're listening and providing like basic little minute feedback, but then I'm still talking it out. I think that's what's been very helpful is that you, you're you talking through challenges with someone. And as you're talking them through, you're actually gaining more clarity inside. That's been a very big key factor. Yeah. So we use this um, audio processing software called Crisp. And it, at the end of each call, it tells me how much, what percentage of the time I've been talking. And yeah. the ones that are the best coaching calls that we have with athletes. My talking is like 3% or 4% of the whole conversation. And it's like, it's the the kind of the vessel for conversation that's the valuable thing and the kind of maybe harsh feedback or honest feedback that you get. Yeah, yeah that's that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Just someone else just asking and also probing and asking good questions. Like, hey, why do you feel that way? Yeah. What, yeah. what do you think that that person meant to make you feel that way? Right. Mm. Do you think there was, because when all of a sudden when you get these questions asked to you, you're like, well, no, they didn't mean to make me feel it. Okay. Well then let's start off with the fact that like they didn't have ill intent. So let's try and figure out, you you know I mean? Just reframing things I think is so incredibly important. Yeah. Especially as you get older and you have families, especially like COVID, for example, right? COVID has ruined relationships or has brought people together. Um, and I think that's a good time to kind of try and use some of these tools to bring people back together again, because, you know, some relationships are definitely jaded. Oh yeah, absolutely. man. Hey, if you're enjoying this episode, chances are you'll enjoy our free ebook, how to stop substandard self-critical plateaus and unleash your potential. It's a step-by-step guide to finding your mojo again and getting back to the athlete you know you can be. It's free. You just have to stick your email address in and download it. To find it, head to mindsetrx.com slash ebook. That's mindsetrxd.com slash ebook. Now let's get on with the show. We spoke then or just before about like you kind of got these multiple opinions coming back to you and some of them will be like really exactly what you need to hear. And then other times they'll be slightly off what you need to hear or like not quite what you jive with. But there's a point in every decision where you pursue your potential, where you've got to back yourself. You've got to trust yourself. Like self-trust is this key. Have you ever struggled with that kind of like, am I going to be good enough? Will I be able to execute this? Well, I mean, I think something that any athlete listening, and this this could be a good uh, sound bite for your for your audience who's interested in going to say, you know semifinals or whatever is is this idea of earned confidence. I think is incredibly important, and it, it's kind of what you're talking about. Earned confidence is idea that no one 
owes you anything and that you earned the right to be wherever you're at. And when you really believe truly in your heart, in your soul, that you earned the confidence to feel good going into a semifinal or going into an event, there's something very powerful about that because, you know, there's earned and there's perceived confidence. And I think that this idea of perceived, like I could tell myself tomorrow, I'm going to go do I don't know, Mount Everest, right? But I haven't earned the right. I haven't put in the training hours. I haven't put in the hard work. I haven't understood the task to really feel like I earned the right to go in there and dominate. And when athletes are preparing for it, for a task, the more they could truly feel that they earned it, the better off they're going to perform. It's non-negotiable. And so a good thing to think about is every day, every training session, have micro earned opportunities, right? So at the end of the day, hey, did I do the best I could to put myself in a position to win the CrossFit Games? If that was the goal. If every day you tell yourself that, then by the time you get there, you've already earned it for, for days, weeks, years prior, and uh, the work's done. Yeah. That's the way I like to think of it. Yeah, there's um, the competence equals confidence equation is yeah. like is another way of putting that. There's one thing I want to like maybe hash out or push back on a little bit. And it's sure. the idea of like perception is an individual thing, right? So what if we perceive that we are less capable than we actually are? Because that's a huge problem that people run into. Like, I'm not good enough. I don't deserve to be here looking around, having a bit of imposter syndrome for the first time on a big stage, for example, They're like, man, like, am I good enough? Like, is this, is this where I should be? Like, I'm recognizing all these names around me and like, I'm not, I'm not good enough to be here. Well, that's exactly what I'm talking about. So what, where I'm going with it is that, you know, for example, let, let's just, let's just use CrossFit as an example. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when I would get ready every year for the CrossFit games, I mean, I competed in the CrossFit games eight times and every year I was, uh, you know, a favorite to perform well because of my years prior. Right. And, but it doesn't matter what outside people think. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks except for me. I have to be confident in my ability. So I would wear a wristband and said, earn. And I'd be sitting on the bus with a bunch of dudes. I'd be like, no one gave me shit. I earned the right to be here just like all of your athletes did through the open, the semifinals, whatever else they're at. And that I think is this perspective that allows you to thrive because you are on the exact same pet page with exact same page with every other athlete there at that given moment because none of them were given it either. And I think that's like this idea. If you feel like an imposter, you need to get that out of your head because no one just gave you that right to be there. You had to earn it. And just like every other person there, that, that was the key for me, you know, because it was yeah. a level playing field. So all of those, all those are examples, like putting the mental reps in, like in that process saying, I deserve to be here. I did this. I did that. I did like that. Those are the rewiring of those pathways in your brain. Those are the kind of step-by-step. Step. Those are the reps. Those are like the myelination that's happening. And yeah. that's the essential thing that I think so many athletes and so many people in general, like fail to carry out. We spend so much time counting our scars and not enough time counting our wins. Well, and, and, and that can be done on a, on a, on a micro scale, I think is very, yeah. very important because all of a sudden people say, Hey, my goal is to go to the games. Okay, cool. Well, you know, if the goal is to go to, or what, get, take whatever goal it is, right? Every, every day is a really easy opportunity to do a micro check-in because then those compound and you don't have any regrets, right? Where you say, Oh shit, you know, I, I missed a month of training. Well, you know, 
now have you really earned it? I mean, probably not, right? So every day, every session, every time you have an opportunity to improve yourself, if you ask yourself that, by the time the actual event comes up, you have so many check marks that you've put, like, that's it. You're, yeah. you're all good to go. And how you perform is how you perform. Yeah. And you could almost do exactly the same training program, exactly the same execution. But if you're reinforcing to yourself along the way, if you're putting ticks in those um, in that win column over and over again, you have that bank of confidence and self-assurance, self-trust to, to like kind of draw from. Yeah. And to, to ultimately go out there and go reach your potential in the actual event. You know, it's, it's important. Let's just say, for example, you've been putting check marks on your, I don't know, clean and jerk. Well, when the event comes up and it's a clean and jerk ladder, or you only have three attempts or whatever it is, you have to go back into that bank where you say to yourself, dude, I've done this thousands of times. All I need to go is go execute the way my training has prepared me for. And I've earned that confidence to know I could do it. Now just go out there and go execute and reach my potential. That's it. And you know, these are, these are, these are skills that are easier, easier to talk about than to execute on. I understand that there's probably people listening like, yeah, dude, it's what, what you're saying sounds good, but you have to start somewhere, right? You have to start with basic fundamentals of mindset and then eventually start building up on that, you know? And that's where the accountability of a coach, and obviously like, that's a great unintentional plug for our services, but it's like the accountability, <laughs> like even if you have a group around you, like even yep. if you have like a set of people around you, like, hey, what did you do today? Like, what are your intentions today? What are you going to do to win the day? And then how did you win the day? If you create that kind of circle of just reinforcing that, that's enough to bring you forward. That's right. And I think like this idea of, you know, what you guys do with your clients and, and working with athletes for CrossFit. Okay, cool. Like, that's fine. Um, but I would say that anybody listening, they don't even understand. They, 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 they will only understand this conversation 10 years from now when they look back at the different mindset, assuming you guys support them on the mindset, assuming you're doing a good job, all those different things. They'll only see it 10 years later, the true benefits of what they received from your conversations. Cause here I am a decade after my really initial conversations or maybe even more with my mindset coach and looking back on it. Now, I just am starting to like really understand the, the value that he provided, which really honestly, like, yeah, I made my competition better. That was great. But it's all these other lessons that you could then impart for the rest of your life, you know? Yeah. You're making these micro adjustments that are like, I don't know, one tenth of one degree. And you had like just adjust course slightly, but add it up over time. They can point point you in a completely different direction, especially with that time. You're just like, you're a different person. You've got a different kind of baseline of thinking. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. We spoke about like preparing yourself for events. What was your pre-event or pre-comp routine like? Yeah. I mean, I think it's really important for anybody who's looking to compete in the sport of CrossFit or any of that is to have a mantra and also have a flow that you go through to, to basically prep yourself up. So let's just say, uh, for the sake of argument, the, the event is a clean and jerk event. Going back to that, you should have a general warm up that you perform every time for every event, the exact same way, not just exactly the same way. And during that warm up, what you're doing is you're mentally and physically triggering yourself to know that, hey, you're, you're priming your motor to get ready to go do something mm -hmm. difficult or, or whatever, right? 
uh, Noah Olson said it one time to me, which I thought was really cool. He wears sandals. And then when he puts on his shoes, it's a good way for him to recognize that, Hey, game time's on, but the warmup is a good example of that. Then after you do your kind of baseline warmup, which for me was like a 500 meter row, some, you know, JC sit-ups, some hip extensions back and forth, then some dynamic stretching, et cetera. Then you get into your more skill specific for the actual workout for that particular day. I think that when you then reinforce that day in and day out in training, when you get into competition, it's triggering the same things and it's trying to put you at a, a state of ease instead of being overly, um, you know, overwhelmed. So yeah, I'd say that. You're, you're suddenly going from the unknown to the known. You know That's how right. to interact in this and like you've got less choices to make. And now I can That's focus right. on what's important and your body's getting that that trust. I used to have this routine where I went from um, when I used to train jiu-jitsu or when, where I used to train jiu-jitsu, I would go from like this cafe. And at the moment I passed the cafe, it'd be, okay, headphones on, listen to the same song and now I'm walking in. And that was my trigger. That was my, okay, now I'm, now I'm here to train. And that was just like, you could feel the switch in my physiology at that point. Yeah, that's right. I mean, um, I mean, jujitsu, there's, there's <laughs> uh, so many, uh, life lessons you can learn from jujitsu, but yes, for sure. You know, whether it's bowing in, whether it's tying your belt, whether it's whatever, there needs to be some type of like, um, mental click that, mm-hmm. that, uh, allows you to know that, Hey, I'm, I'm transferring from this to this, you know, um, and in sport in particular, I think that's very important, um, to kind of switch gears, uh, between what you're doing. But then also like when you take it to your working day, it's like, so I, I found myself for so long, just kind of folding into the work day as opposed to making it intentional. There's no like deliberate oh, yeah. start, deliberate. And especially when you're working from home, it makes things more challenging. Um, but like having those distinct start, go stop is so important. Yeah. Utilizing your calendar, I think as a resource is a good idea. Mm-hmm. I think, um, creating your own mantras, your own way. You know, I think that, um, for people who are trying to compete, I think having something they go over in their head uh, to prepare them for that particular event, I think is important. I think that if you're a working professional, as many people are, I think, you know, being able to kind of approach the day with, uh, you know, goals, something you want to accomplish, maybe for that week, what are you trying to get done? And then, you know, find things that make you feel good, whether it's a morning ruck or a cold plunge or a cold shower or whatever, and kind of like refocus for what you want to get accomplished, I think is important. Do you mind sharing your mantra? Uh, well, when I was competing, I don't, I don't really use this anymore, uh, is this idea of moving fast and breathing slow. So it's move fast, breathe slow. And I think, I think it it relates really well into life where basically you're saying is like, Hey, I want to move fast. I want to move with purpose. I want to get after it. I want to, I want to win. Right. But I'm going to breathe slow. And I think the benefit of that is this idea that you want to be in control of your breath. You want to be in control of your actions. You want to be you want to be methodical and not reactive. And so that's this idea of like moving fast, but breathing slow um, was, was the theory in, in those type of events. Nice. So everyone has like physical weaknesses and physical strengths. Like, I, I know I'm a great runner, but my strength isn't where it could be. And I have to work harder on that. And everyone has kind of mental proclivities too. What were the mental challenges that you had to overcome when you're training or when you're, sorry, when you're competing? I mean, uh, they're all the same things that I think a lot of people have to overcome, right? It's, it's feeling insecure about your abilities. It's worrying about your competitors. It's not knowing the events. It's the unknown that would really cause a lot of friction. It's, it's, um, I think that was the stuff that, that, that's 
it's it's most daunting, right? Because you worry so much about what your other competitors are doing or the events. But at the end of the day, that stuff's outside your control. You got to just go out there and perform, but it's hard to get that out of your head. It's hard to not worry about what the events are going to be or what your com- competitors are going to do and just stay within yourself. So those were the biggest struggles that I had. And the times where I performed at my best, it's, it's where you're able to focus on the task at hand and stay consistent throughout the week. You know, the CrossFit Games is, a, is, a, is an endurance event. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And for that reason alone, those people that can't have a bad event and recover, they're screwed. You have to be able to have an event that isn't optimal and be able to recover from that. And you have to know that you're going to have events that maybe aren't going to be perfect. But those people that allow those events to derail them from their overall plans, those are the ones they are going to lose. They're, yeah. they're never going to make it. It's a tough one because the short the event, the less forgiving of errors that you can be. But when you consider that the event isn't just one event long, it's 13 or 14 or however many events long, then you realize, oh, I have to be more forgiving in these moments. I have to use that recovery time to refocus, let it go, and then come back onto now. Like, this is where I'm focusing. This is, this is, yeah, this is what's important now. This is what's in my control now. That's right. That's right. And, and, and be realistic about where you're at. Like, look, the take, for example, this uh, recent event at one of the it's semifinals, right? Is that what they're yeah. semifinals? Yeah. 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 That's really it's cool like, now. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. I, uh-huh. I, I can't keep track. It's this <laughs> run and, and legless rope climb. You know, I had to go into that knowing that, Hey, I don't care what these other guys are going to do. I need to know where my pace is at, what I need to do, what I need to get accomplished because ultimately it's going to put me in the best position to perform my best. And when you try and keep up with other people, especially on an event like that, you know, and you burn out, you, you're just going to perform twice as poorly. And so it's just being, being aware of those things I think is very important. Yeah. When was your best athletic performance ever? Um, I think the 2013 CrossFit Games for me was probably like the best example of just, you know, where I, w- what I was doing. I took second that year overall mm-hmm. and th- I took third in 14. Um, I think that the, you know, the burden run and, and, uh, the burden run was probably a good example of where my athleticism was at at the time. It was a, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was three mile run, flip a pig, or maybe it was, it was something along those things or flip a heavy, heavy pig over a hundred yard, uh, football field, carry a log and then pull a sled. And I think that was just a really good expression of where my strength and conditioning was at, at the time. And so that was, that was, that was a lot of fun. Was it? the event as a whole or was it like oh sorry the competition as a whole or was it a singular event that where you're like yeah that's that's it i mean i think the event as a whole was a great but that that singular event burden run definitely stands out to me for sure did you have any moments that were like how people would typically define a flow state where you're like time slows down or you feel like you're not quite in yourself you're kind of pulled back from reality um there's, there's a few other triggers to it but yeah yeah. I mean, especially looking back on some of these, op- you know, things now, yeah, you definitely found that flow state. You found your rhythm. You, you were in a, you know, state of euphoria, I think for me, because I was winning the end, basically not the whole event, but a lot of the event. And yeah, you definitely want to find that flow state and you'll, you'll looking back on it again, you know, you, those are the type of events you work your whole life to, to compete in, you know, where they just kind of just, just, it all just kind of comes together, you know, uh, you know, that like the half marathon row is another example of that for me. I think there was, there was multiple events that come across the table, but I think the burden run and half marathon row really stand out to me. What did they feel like? 
I mean, you know, they feel like all your hard work really comes together, especially on events like that, where I knew I was going to win minutes before I actually won. I mean, that was, that's, that's incredible because you don't normally get that. Uh, you know, basically you barely win by uh, a second or maybe you take second or third or whatever, but typically if you win, you win barely. Um, in this particular case, you know, you're winning by, you know, a lot and those moments feel really, really good. I mean, I had some of those moments also at regionals where you knew you were going to win before you won, but man, that's a, you know, and, and looking back on it too, it's like, it's different now than it was then for me. You know, then the sport of CrossFit was my life. Yes, we had our business, my family, but I was so dedicated to winning. And those moments meant so much to me. You know, now that I'm, I'm older, I've exposed myself to more sports. I, my family's growing. It's different now. But back then at the time, I mean, that's all there was. Yeah. Yeah. You, you speak quite a lot about the transferability of mentality between competition on the athletic level and business and obviously bringing that to fit. Is there anything that was helpful in competing that's not helpful in business and vice versa? I mean, the time commitment, I mean, the, the, the time commitment to train is not beneficial when you're trying to run a, you know, multinational business. Um, you know, I was, you know, I think that, you know, my training now looks like about 90 minutes a day and that's where I find good rhythm. You know, I, I do our NC fit workouts, um, pretty much every day. Um, and then also incorporate some jujitsu. And if I'm just doing jujitsu and maybe some finisher from NC fit, or I do vice versa, but yeah, 90 minutes to two hours is what I'm, where I'm at back in the day, you know, when you're spending four or five hours a day training, it's very difficult to run a successful business when I'm spending that much time training. Um, now we have really good people surrounding our business, which is a little bit different, but still, um, I think that at the end of the day, that the, the struggle becomes, what do you want to focus on? How much time do you have? And I think for a lot of athletes listening, if you're on the cusp and you've been grinding, you, you got to take a stealth reflection and say to yourself, like, Hey, is this competition thing for me? Or should I just use CrossFit or fitness to keep myself healthy and really dedicate this effort that I'm putting in, into other areas of my life that might help me thrive more in the future? Yeah. It's like you've got a hundred units of willpower per day. And where are you going to dispose those willness or deposit those uh, units of willpower? It's like, maybe it's in something that isn't quite aligned to who you want to be and something that you're not quite doing for the right reasons. Or maybe it's something you truly want to go all in on and make your life and be. And like, that's obviously when you find that thing, that's where you want to deposit it. That's right. That's right. So yeah, I think just time, times, times are, you know, an, an important factor for anybody because where you where you put in time and reps you you develop competency in those things you know it's just like sport if you spend a lot of time walking your hands you're gonna get better at it eventually but if you're spending four hours a day getting better at fitness just to get better at fitness that's fine you just need to realize what you're doing and why you're doing it right if you if you want to win the crossfit games you need to spend that much time to get better at the sport of CrossFit because you're trying to be a pro athlete. But if you're spending four hours a day, there might be better ways to utilize your time to enhance your overall lifestyle. That's all. Yeah. If your goal is to just, I don't know, be a better dad or be a better partner or like be a kind of happier version of you, like four, five, six hours of training a day probably isn't the 
that's probably man. not where you need to be. So. <laughs> probably <laughs> not. It's probably the way to do the opposite. So it sounds like you're using NCFIT as kind of like a GPP type program, like kind of general health and, and still maintain that kind of that edge and preparing you for jujitsu. And then jujitsu is kind of like a, an expression, right? Yeah. I mean, so if you think about it, I NCFIT has evolved over the years. We went from, you know, a, a CrossFit based organization to now we've kind of we, where we want to p- continue to move to is, is where my passions lie, right? So I competed at the sport of CrossFit, loved it, still love what they're doing, but it's, it's changed for me. You know, I, I got introduced to CrossFit in 2006. That's a long time ago. And now I'm, I'm more about a fundamental strength conditioning program. I don't really want to snatch. I don't really want to rope climb. I don't really want to muscle up. I don't really want a handstand push up. And I'm okay if you want to do you, but that's not where I want to go. Right. And so NC fit, we have a Metcon track. That's a little bit more GPP focus. We have an NCX track. That's just fundamental strength conditioning. You're not going to do full snatches. You're not going to do rope climbs. You're not going to do handstand pushups. You're just not. And that program is mainly what we use inside our actual brick and mortar gyms. And then we have NC flex, which is a, our version of bodybuilding and really where we're going in the future is leaning further into NCX and this idea of like, what could I provide someone who wants to train three days a week to get as strong and as fit as possible? I'm not going to have them try and learn a muscle up because I only have three hours a week. What am I going to have them do? I'm going to have them focus on push, pull, hinge, squat. I'm going to have them focus on a 12 to 20 minute conditioning piece. And that's where we're going. Uh, so if someone wants to compete and they're listening and they want the best program in the world to compete in the sport of CrossFit, we are not for you. Um, but if you're looking for just a general program that will get you strong and overall fit and kind of lead you to something that you could then go do other stuff outside the gym, that's really where we're falling, we're going towards. And then on the kind of the other side of the training, what does jujitsu give you that you can't get elsewhere? I mean, I mean, jujitsu. I mean, I'm on the bandwagon. So I'm on the bandwagon, right? It's it's like uh, when I drank the CrossFit Kool Aid 20 years ago, whatever. I'm on the jujitsu Kool Aid. Yeah. Uh, I I think it it gives you a ton of mental skills. I think you have to learn to overcome adversity. I think you need to, you know, you need to be able to react to what a partner provides you. I think the self-defense side is incredible. Uh, There is just so many benefits. The barrier to entry is difficult. It is hard. Um, You got to go find a good coach, but I mean, it's, it's endless and there's endless techniques and there's endless learning. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it seems like the further you go down the rabbit hole, the more expense, expansive the network of rabbit holes seem in front of you. It's just like, there's just so much to go down and so much complexity. It's like, it, it's incredible. Yeah, it's never ending. How long did you do it for? Uh, so I've been training for like three and a half years. I took actually four and a half years. I took two years out whilst I was in uh, British Columbia, um, but now I'm back to it. Dude, yeah, I mean, so yeah. you you get it, right? Um, okay, yeah, I mean, the surface really though. There's, there's so much beyond it. There's so much. I mean, the thing about it is a lot of people loved CrossFit or love because it added this level of complexity to training, the snatching, mm-hmm. the rope climbing, this, that. And eventually after you do that for a decade plus, it's like, you know, like I get it. Like I'm cool. Like for me, I could still do muscle ups. I could still snatch. I could still do all of it. And it's great, but I still want to learn new skills. And I think that's where jujitsu has provided a valuable outlet for me 
is that I'm learning something new on a regular basis. And instead of getting like 1% better, I'm able to get, you know, massive amounts better because I'm learning a brand new skill. Yeah. The biggest thing for me was like, I had this tendency when confronted with difficult situations to sit back and think that I had to just kind of absorb the pressure. And it's like, and there's a time for that. But then there's also the kind of like, oh, now's the time to switch on some aggression and fight my way out of here. And it was like in training that in the middle of a jiu-jitsu session, just apply to everything else I did in my life, to conversations I had were difficult because I wouldn't hold back to them, to difficult decisions in business that I needed to make, which were suddenly more kind of readily available to me. Yeah. And it humbles people. You know, I think if, if anybody <laughs> listening has a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, a little bit of an ego, go into a jiu-jitsu gym and... Uh, it, real quickly, you're going to realize <laughs> that you think you're the toughest guy in the room and you are not. And I don't care. Yeah. I mean, that goes for people who have been training a long time too. There's always someone that's going to come in and kick your ass and that there's something valuable to that. You know, it, it is a little bit like, you know, when you're in the gym and, and I, you know, I, look, I'm very passionate about this because for so many years I spent my life working out to get better at working out. And it provided so much for me my family, like I was saying, now it's nice to work out, hit our NC fit workouts and watch the way they translate into something different, like the sport of mm. jujitsu and seeing how all my years of strength conditioning, all those years can then translate off outside the gym. And I think that if people aren't exploring that, they're really missing out on a valuable component. You know, go use your fitness more, go play sports, go try new things. I think it'll only encourage them to stick with it even longer. Yeah. Over training, over life, through progression, we end up honing in on what's meaningful to us. We find this inner sense of like, this is maybe a purpose. This is meaningful to me. What's meaningful to you right now? I mean, you know, obviously trying to be the best example I could be as a husband, a father, and, you know, trying to build a business that can impact as many members as possible. That's what we want to do. You know, we have, we have gyms, we have you know, our online app, we, we provide things to gym owners, but I think we're just scratching the surface. And, um, that's what motivates me right now is, you know, how do I look myself in the eye at the end of the night, or I'm in the sauna or whatever, and just be like, Hey, you know, I'm really trying to reach my potential in these different areas. And, and, um, I figure if I do these micro check-ins on a regular basis, you're never going to wake up, you know, years later and be like, mm. dude, I was a shitty husband, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How do you reflect on that? Like, cause do you have a process like journaling, conversation, meditation, time in the cold plunge? I think it's like sauna and it's riding the bike mm. and it's, it's, it's rocks. It's, it's time just to kind of free your mind. Just say, mm. Hey, like, dude, you know what, man, I, I'm not doing that great here. You know, I, I, I need to recognize that, you know, I shouldn't have picked that battle. I should have, I should have listened more. I should have done this today and that's fine. Then go tomorrow and go try and fix it. And, you know, look, I'm not perfect at anything and, and neither is anybody, but trying to be more aware is I think the key, because I think having awareness on like, Hey, I'm not being engaged with my kids. Um, having that awareness alone will help you towards fixing it. You know? Yeah. It seems like that moving reflection piece is huge. Like you're yeah. going to get outside and go for a rock or go for a, like light run or something that's not going to kill you. And just like gives your mind that space to go into. That's right. It's kind of, it's like freeing endorphins. It's making you feel good. I think that rocks are a great way to do that. I think, uh, I think sauna is fine. Uh, but I think the rocks are probably the best way I found it. Um, yeah. to, to have that reflection. 
Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. What books have you gifted most to other people? Oh, well, Inclu- I mean, I including your own. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, you know, as many reps as possible is my book. I think the audio version is available on um, Audible if you want to check that out. Mm-hmm. But um, right now I'm reading a book uh, called Traction, um, which is a business book. I'm, I'm not too far into it, so I can't really hear. Let's see. I got this one. So I just finished uh, Tim Kennedy's book, Scars oh, yeah. and Stripes. I just finished that. Um, it was good. It was definitely some gnarly stories. And then I'm currently reading Traction, which is more of a business book about mm-hmm. goal setting and stuff like that. Um, but I'd say, you know, Mark Cuban's Sport of Business is one that I have gifted people in the past. It's a short, quick read, just gets people fired up. And um, yeah, that's just first to kind of mind. Nice. What habits do you perform for your own, let's say, mental health? Well, I mean, I think I exercise every day. I hit the mm-hmm. cold plunge every day. I do some type of self-reflection every day. And um, that's, that, those, those are probably the three that come to mind. What's your cold plunge routine? Currently, uh, it's four minutes. And for those people who are cold plunge regularly, don't laugh at me. It's four minutes at 55 degrees um, and finishing with a full dunk under. Now, the reason why it's four minutes, the reason why it's 55 degrees is because my children and I both do it. And so I'm starting off moderate and then slowly working my way down. This morning, it was 54 degrees for me. um, But yeah, I'm trying to create a relationship with it where it's something I can consistently do. Mm-hmm. yeah that's that's like people go in there and they're like oh yeah i've been nailing it i just filled up my whole bathtub with with ice cubes and i got in for five seconds and i hate it and i never did it again <laughs> that's that's the thing you want to start off and just kind of like yeah. create this like positive relationship with it and that's mm-hmm. where i'm at right now yeah there's something to be said for the fear response that comes up because you like from a physical perspective you're getting some of the benefit from the fear of the extreme cold but from the habit formation point of view it's like minimum effective dose how can i make this a win easily yeah that's where i'm at right now and uh and just you know exposing yourself to hard stuff like like right Mm -hmm. before i got in here it sucks you know like you you put your feet you're like dude i do not want to go in i don't I, (laughs) I, I, i don't but then when you're done you feel like you accomplished something and it's so short right three, four, five minutes. I mean, you're, you're, you're in and out. So, you know, cold shower is another option for you. What a good thing to teach your daughters as well. And an example to set. Oh man. You know, that's the greatest thing that I could teach my kids. I think, I mean, aside from like how to treat others and things of that nature mm-hmm. are, are, you know, exposing them to small bouts of, of adversity and struggle. I just, I look, people can say what they want, but this world is not easy. This world is going to be difficult. It's going to come with a lot of challenges and we can only shelter our children so much. And I think we need to expose them as much as possible to as many hard things as we possibly can within reason. And the cold is a great example. Workouts are a great example. Rucks are a great example. Sport is a great example of learning how to win, learning how to lose, learning how to overcome. And I think if we could start that at a young age, I think it just continues to build on each other. Yeah. You know, people do push back against that idea of we've got to give our kids adversity but they're never the type of people that I look at and think, I want to be more like you. <laughs> it's yeah. always like people that I respect always like, yeah, I want to give my kids as much adversity as they can safely handle that w- without as much undue risk. That's right. I want my kids to be the toughest kids in the room, mm-hmm. the people that yeah. could overcome mentally, whatever that comes their way. Mm-hmm. And physically also, I want them to be the toughest. I want them to be able to have self-defense skills. I want them to be 
that confident because of all this earned that they've been putting in the work so they could go through life and really feel comfortable that, Hey, they, they know how to defend themselves. They know how to overcome challenges and it's never going to be perfect, but we're going to keep working towards that. And, you know, I saw that firsthand, you know, like when Ava got sick with leukemia, I mean, we've been in the ICU, we've gone, she's gone through a lot. And I think that, um, I think that those skills, what, what she had to go through in the hospital for those years, I think has made her a better person outside because she, she could, she could, she, she could learn to overcome struggle a little bit better, you know? That's beautiful. Yeah. You can either, I think Jordan Peterson said something like you got a choice between making safe kids or making strong kids. And one yeah. of them is impossible. Um, okay, man. Well, That's a good it. place to wrap up. Where can, where can people um, find out more about NC fit in the app? Um, I, well, you can go to nc.fit. You can go to the app store on iOS, uh, soon to be back on Android. Uh, but it's just NC fit. And, um, you know, you can go to Jason Cleep on Instagram and go to nc.fit on Instagram and yeah, check it out and hit me up and let me know if there's anything I could do to support you along your fitness journey. Beautiful man. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, no problem. Great to be here. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Limitless Athlete Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to ensure that you keep up to date with upcoming interviews with athletes, coaches, authors, and everyone that we can get on to try and train your mindset. Whilst you're subscribing, don't forget to leave a five-star review. We really appreciate it um, and a nice comment too. See you next week with a actually a really interesting one. Um, a little bit left field, but you'll you'll see what I mean.